Amen. So somebody tell me what does 2 Timothy 1.7 say? Amen. Nothing like a unified reading of the scripture. Amen. Say it with me. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, one more time. No scripture more important right now than this one. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We've been teaching on this uh, for several weeks, and we know that uh, there's no way for us to walk in a spirit of fear and have God's power operating like it should. We also have learned that there's no way for us to walk in fear and have a sound mind, a mind that's functioning right. When you're in fear, you're not thinking correctly, you're not thinking straight. But the thing I want to zero in on tonight is that second component. When you're walking in fear, you're not walking in the love of God as you ought to. And that has all kinds of implications uh, for us as believers. So uh, God wants you to have power and love and a sound mind. But right away, fear will rob you and uh, displace what God wants for you. And in its place, uh, you know, leads you into things you shouldn't be involved in. And nothing is illustrating this principle more than what we've gone through as a nation, as a world, as a community. And you're going to find out tonight uh, what's really happened uh, in this situation, what's really gone on across the country and around the world. So uh, there is a fail-safe way to walk in victory. Say it with me, a fail-safe way. To walk in victory over fear. And we talked about this last week. One is to keep your faith strong. That's your foundation. When you uh, unplug from faith, you plug into fear. When you unplug from fear, you plug into faith. But underneath that is the employment of the thing that is actually the fear killer. How many like to drive it out of your life in every rim? Everything gone, no matter what it is, a latent fear that you have, something you picked up as a child, you know, some phobia that somebody else may think is no big deal, but it's a big deal to you, or the thing that's hovering over this entire world right now, a cloud, um, regarding a pandemic or something else that may be operating against you or your family. That thing that is the faith killer is a thing called love. A fear killer is a thing called love. Say it with me. The, the killer of fear is love. Now, we didn't make this up. We didn't write the scripture. But you know, if you want to uh, go with me over to First uh, John chapter 4 and put your eyes on this as well as listen with your, your ears tonight. Say it with me. The fear killer, the fear killer is, love. is love. It's impossible to walk in love and fear at the same time. What's the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they sinned against God? They hid. Watch and see the connection tonight between sin and fear. Guess what, though? there is a connection between love and not walking in sin. You see this? And uh, that's what we're called to be. A lot of folks who like to be more victorious in their personal lives, overcoming temptation, you're going to find out the more revelation you have about love and the better able you're to walk this out, the more victorious you're going to be with everything connected to the fear life, including things like sin. So when you're at first John, let me know. And we'll read a, a chunk of this and then uh, talk about a couple of verses in particular. But shout it out tonight, no fear here. No fear here. 
I guess uh, look with me at verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. And look at this scripture, highlight it, underline it. There is no fear in love. How much? How much? So if there's any fear at all in our lives, what does that tell us? The love walk is compromised. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. I want to just point something out to you. That uh, you know the reason uh, there's there's fear of torment and judgment is because fear is attached to sin, and when you walk in love, you're less likely, of course, to to violate God's commands and violate His principles. When you're walking in love, there's just no fear of God. There's no fear, you know, that the devil's going to get you. There's no fear that you're going to fail in temptation. There's no there's no fear of anything affecting you in this life because you've been perfected in a thing called what. Love. Now the question is, what exactly does that mean? Say it with me. Perfect love. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. Now write this down. Perfect means mature. It simply means we can't be walking around as babies in the faith anymore. We can't afford with everything being thrown at us as modern believers in the end times, you know, to stay an infant in love. We've got to grow up. It means mature. It means fully developed love. Uh, sometimes when the love of God is preached on a church, oh yes, let's love our neighbor as ourselves, blah, blah, blah. But we really don't understand the practical impact of walking in love or the practical impact of not walking in the love of God. It means fully developed. It means growing up. And, and listen to this carefully. It means expressing itself in behavior. It's not something you feel. It's actually something that you do. You're not really walking in the love of God if it's just something that's inside of your heart or, or it's an emotion or it's some kind of a feeling or a sentiment. It has to be much more than that. Say it with me, perfect love. So that tells you that not all love drives out fear. But what kind of love? Perfect love. Mature love. Fully developed love. Now write this phrase down, casts out It's an interesting phrase, and it means to violently and aggressively and quickly toss away. If I were to toss a uh, poisonous snake at you, and it landed somewhere, maybe on your shoulder, what would you do? Pet it? Well, there may be people in here like my my nephew Samuel who loves snakes. He would probably take it home. (laughs) Immediately, he'd just leave the service and take it home with him. But... uh, if we, if we uh, threw an asp at you or a king cobra, you know, or even a rattler or water moccasin, what would you do? You would, what? Quickly throw it off. You're not going to pet it. You're not going to play with it. You're not going to feed it. You're not going to take it home. But the reality is that um, missing this principle, we don't understand how powerful love is to expel the fear. If we did, we would we you know we would really work on developing this in our lives. And do you notice in, in the COVID season you see a lot of fear? Yeah. But you also see a lot of people treating each other inappropriately. Yeah. 
Have you noticed that? Yeah. Want to know why? Because they go together. Step out of love, step into fear, and you'll see people manifest that with their behavior. Um, I said this before and I'll say it again, but if you're going to take a vaccine, take it by faith. Now watch this. If you're going to refuse to take a vaccine because you fear what's in that, then you're making a mistake. Don't take the vaccine by what? By faith. Because God in his word has directed you to live your life that way. Does that make sense? But if I'm walking in faith and I'm keeping the highest command of all, I'm not running around judging everybody because they took it or didn't take it. And I mean people are getting violently ugly at each other in person, in stores. Um, what is it you said today about Brother Bailey? He said what on the air? Uh, somebody at a restaurant got on to him walking in love you should be wearing a mask and he said I don't wear a mask because I have CS common sense is what he said <laughs> uh, but I mean think about this and, and I'm going to tell you something tonight far worse than the pandemic is people who have forgotten how to walk in love that are believers right. so called amen um so you're going to find out that there's, there's the issue at hand. But if you're, going to, if you're going to wear a mask, do it in faith. If you're not going to, what? Do it in faith. If you're going to distance, what? Do it in faith. If you're not going to distance, what are you going to do? You better use your faith. You're, you're under uh, no liberty at any time in your life to step out of faith. And you're at no liberty at any time to step out of love. Now you make up your mind. You're going to, you're going to develop your faith and keep it strong and walk in love. You're, you're, not, uh, you're not defeatable. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, your faith and love are your superpowers. Yes, they are. Amen. Amen. And, um, you know, going off on each other, treating each other wrong, criticizing each other. Uh, no. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Amen. And the, the appalling things people will say, well, they, they, you know, they had this position on vaccine and look what happened to them or so-and-so died of it. And, and almost, almost rejoicing because, see, there they got theirs. God help you. Because what you got is far worse than COVID. You have a disease of the heart that could send you straight to hell. Far more serious than a pandemic. So I want to point out that this is not a minor thing, but when you're perfected in love, it's going to drive out, it's going to violently, aggressively, and quickly toss away. The Phillips translation says, expels every particle of fear. The love will expel every particle. Say it with me, every particle of fear. Does that make sense? Now watch this, uh, you know, people walking around and they, they've got a triple mask on and they're distancing and they've had every shot and every booster, and here you come with no mask on, and they're upset with you. Why are they upset with you? Because they're still in fear. Do you see that? And to be honest with you, uh, that fear has more power to draw that disease into their life than any exposure to somebody with it. 
It's very important you understand the spiritual dynamics that are going on here. So in a case like that, that person is really not as protected as they think they are. Does that make sense? So it's very important to get a hold of this that uh, we want to expel every particle. Is it possible for a Christian to live free from fear? Yes. Let me ask that again. Is it possible for a Christian to live free of fear? Yes. Yes, according to this, if they're what? If they're perfected in love. But watch this. If you're not perfected in love, it's impossible to be free from fear. It will manifest some way and some way in your life. And it will draw things in your life you really don't want. Make, make a, no mistake about this. Faith draws good things into your life. But fear will draw things into your life. It will draw things in that you don't want. So this is a, a critical lesson for us. The Weiss translation says it throws fear outside. Isn't that good? Kicks it out. Watch this. Aggressively, violently, quickly toss it away. That's what perfected love will do with the fear. So how many just in hearing that would say we've got a ways to go? Amen. There are too many Christians petting their fears. Putting up with their fears. When they need to focus on how to drive it out. How to actually kill it and assassinate it. Listen to this phrase, all fear. When love is mature, it drives out all kinds and types of fear. What does the word A-double-L spell? What does it mean? All. So fear of COVID would be included in that? Fear of heights would be included in that? Amen. Fear of snakes would be included in that? Amen. Fear of closed spaces would be included in that? Amen. Fear of your in-laws, that would be included in that? Hit a nerve, did I? <laughs> You can't name a fear that's not included in a word like all. Say it, A-double-L. Spells all. Now, the fears that might be operating against the minds of people in this room could be very, very diverse, but it doesn't make any difference because the Bible says, and how many know that John probably knew something about the love of God? Amen. In other words, when everybody else ran when Jesus was arrested, when everybody else took off, who showed up at the cross on the day of crucifixion? What does that tell you? tells you that his love is greater than any fear. Amen? And he wasn't stupid. He knew what was going on. But he had revelation on the love of God. And so he was able to operate in a way that, uh, that fear didn't take over his life. And when they tried to assassinate him, when they tried to martyr him, they put him in a vat of boiling oil. And what happened? Could you imagine being in charge of that execution? <laughs> Yeah, it's always bothered me. I want to see the rest of the story, you know, what happened, you know, things surrounding scriptural stories and the narrative. Like, for example, when, uh, when Malchus's ear was cut off in the garden when Jesus was arrested, and Jesus just picked it off and slapped it back on his head <laughs> and healed him. If I'm Malchus, I'm out. <laughs> you know, I'm, no, I'm not participating in this. I'm thinking about the guys that Lord have been the vat, we're done, you know. Or those that, uh, you know, threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire of the first, like, you know what, I'm retired, I'm done with this. Why? Because they saw an example of where the power of God manifested. These people were not succumbed and given over to fear. And uh, why? It was when the love of God is perfected, it drives out all fear. Amen. And it's, it's really twofold, of course. It's, it's love in the Lord, but it's also operating in love in your daily lives with other people. Say this to me. There's no fear or torment or judgment because all sin is the result 
of the failure to love. When you love God, you're honoring God. When you love, you're doing no harm to others. Do you see this? Every time there is a sin, it is a manifestation that somebody came out of the love walk. Every time. There's nothing to be afraid of when you're walking in love. Amen. Let me say this again. Every time there's a sin, every time there's a compromise, every time you see something happen, it's because somebody has walked out of love. Now, Jesus made this plan when he was asked one time in Matthew 22, what's the greatest commandment? And what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On this hang what? All the law and the prophets. So we start with the situation in the garden, and of course God releases the law so that a man can be given a tutor back into his presence and guide him back into ultimately what Jesus would do through his sacrifice. We go from ten commandments to several hundred commandments, and in Matthew 22, do you see what Jesus did? He boiled it down to one. Love. Uh, God tells you to do something or not to do something, and then you do it anyway, it's because you didn't love God at that moment. Are you here? Uh, you do something to your neighbor that violates Scripture, why did you do it? Because you don't love. You don't love somebody and harm them. So it can be a, a sin of commission or it can be a sin of omission, depending on the situation. Uh, but you'll find out that when you're walking in love for God and love for others, you're not doing things to harm people, right? And you're not harming the Lord or dishonoring the Lord with your behavior. But we walk around saying, I love God, I love God, I love God. And then he says, go over here and, and minister to that person or go over here and sow a seed in that person's life or, or pick up the phone call and apologize for this. And you don't do it. You just proved you're not really in love with God like you say you are. Um, what did Jesus say about the connection between love and obedience? If you... If you what? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you disobey, it means what? Amen. Now, there shouldn't be a lot of grumbling and shifting in chairs in this room tonight. This is the Overcomers Club. Uh, this is the I Do Love God Club. Amen? Now, this is for the Sunday morning people. Um, I, uh, I could hear tangible gasps Sunday morning and literally hear the air leave the room and I informed the church that if you don't forgive, you're going to hell. And yet the scripture tells us if you won't forgive, you're not forgiven. You can't believe there are people that aren't forgiven in heaven. It doesn't work that way. That's how serious this concept of love is. That's how serious forgiveness actually is. And so... I go around, I love God, I sing those old songs like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my hands, and you're really into all this stuff, praise Lord, I love the Lord, and then he tells you to do something and you don't do it? You just completely negated anything you sang or confessed or said you felt for him. And it's the same way with people. Um, if you're doing harm, then you don't love them, which means you're violating what Jesus was asked was the greatest commandment, you're violating what? The greatest commandment. So it's real simple for you and for me. 
if it's consistent with loving God and loving people, then of course it's going to be right. If it's inconsistent with loving God and loving people, then it's going to be what? It's going to be wrong. Christianity is really not that complicated. Amen? So I'm going to just throw some things out there at you. Uh, adultery. Love or not love? Uh, stealing. Talking ugly about somebody. Refusing to do what God told you to do. Amen? Biting somebody's head off. Treating the waiter terrible. Not tithing. Tithe is a command. The ones I didn't lose Sunday morning, I'll lose right now on this. Tithe is a command. You understand? It's a spiritual principle God revealed to Abraham. People of faith live this way. It did not come from the law. The law picked up where Abraham had revelation, reaffirmed in Malachi, reaffirmed, and this is just an example, so settle down, amen. In Matthew 23, Jesus made it plain that you should be walking in love and justice and mercy, but also tithing. You see this? But if I say I'm a Christian and uh, that's just not for me, I don't have to do that. What you just said is, I say I love God, but I don't really love God because I won't do what he says. Now, how many know there are all kinds of benefits to us to doing what God tells us to do? Yes. How many have found out he is a good God and he honors the tither? Say, it with me, I have tithers' rights and I have sower's promises. But let's go a little bit deeper than that. Let's just talk about how much we should be loving him. Amen? Whom, who, you know, if you've been forgiven much, you love much. And the truth is, if he asks us for every dime every day, if we really understood how much we should love him, we'd do what? we just give it to him. But that's not what he says. Now, sometimes he does ask us to do more than we think we can. But how many you know if he asks us to do something, he's going to give you the power to do it and the resources to do it. But this standing principle of faith that Abraham reveals to us, that this is how faith people walk and live, it comes down to, do I love God? Why did Abraham do it? He loved God. Why do we do it? The motivation is ultimately love. It comes with a promise and it comes with a benefit, but the motivation is love. You can take anything in your life right now that's not squaring with Scripture, and I'm telling you it's a love issue. It's either a love issue with people or it's a love issue with God himself. And listen, I don't like hearing it any more than I like saying that. Because who wants to stand up and say, well, it's obvious I don't love God like I say or do. Because if I love God like I say or do, I wouldn't be doing this. And for sure, Christians wouldn't be treating other people badly because of the COVID situation. Letting COVID cause them to turn on each other. When you need to be aiming your guns at COVID and at the devil that's behind it. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. But all over, you see this sniping and complaining and belligerence and judgment going on. And, uh, you know, when it's all said and done and the, and the smoke clears, what's going to be far more damaging is teaching people to walk in fear and come out of love than COVID ever did. The damage will be more longstanding and worse than anything this disease has done. And the devil's just sitting back tonight and just laughing. Amen. Say it with me. It's not happening in my life. Come on, say it. I choose to love. I choose to walk in love. No fear here. What you're going to find out, though, there's a continuum here. There's a connection here between fear and love and obedience or disobedience. And you'll see it throughout Scripture. But what we want to do is, is, is if this is true, and how many believe that, that perfect love will cast out all fear? 
then we need to know exactly how do we perfect the love? How do we get to that place of maturity? How do we get to that place where it's fully developed? Now, how many can raise your hand and say that you're not quite there yet? Now, it, it'll manifest in some kind of fear, and connected to that fear will be something that you're doing that's inconsistent with the Word of God towards the Lord or towards uh, some person or, or some group of persons. That's why I'm not too concerned about things like racism in the body of Christ because the Word, the Spirit-filled Word Church is the least racist place you can be on the planet. You want to know why? Because we see the Word. Does that make sense? We see the humanity and we see the Word and we see the spirituality of people and we understand that that in essence is a great illustration of what it means not to love people. Uh, people who say they love God and treat people differently because of their background, their culture, their creed, their color. You haven't learned a thing about the love of God. Are you here tonight? Um, but if God says a simple thing, Miss Wilma, Greg, that do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, and there is no little footnote there or asterisk there, then what does it mean? It means people who love God are going to do what? Yeah, but the CDC over here and the ABC and the EFG and they said this and they said that. What did God say? If you haven't figured out by now, the CDC didn't have a lot of credibility. Or the National Institutes of Health. Why? Contradiction. And I'll put this out to you. Just to help you out, the reason it's gone this way is they didn't know and they don't know, and they're just now starting to get the studies that back up the fact that they didn't know what to do, so the things they said to do didn't really work. For example, the study in Bangladesh that said oh, about 1% difference between those who wore masks and those that didn't wear masks. And this is over 1.2 million participants in that study. What you and I would consider less than a developed nation, which makes it even more dangerous. The, the study that just came out from Johns Hopkins that 0.2% you know, difference in terms of uh, you know, shuttering things and closing things down. Hundreds of businesses in Kentucky will never reopen off of a, an ignorant policy. And ignorant means without knowledge. But the study now shows very plainly that the, uh, the shutting things down and that approach did not, cannot, and will not work. Well, uh, they're operating out of a lack of knowledge. Amen. Have we ever operated out of a lack of knowledge? <laughs> Raise your hand if, if you didn't know and said something you thought you knew, and it turned out you didn't know. Where I would like to see them come out now and just say, you know what, we blew it. I'm, this is me holding my breath. Waiting for them to say that, you know what, now that we have these studies coming out, it's obvious that uh, we reacted. And, and honestly, what they did is they, they tried to take the Spanish flu in 1918 as a pattern for this, and it's like apples and oranges in terms of how it's dealt with, and, uh, and here we are. And, you know, that's all somebody else's responsibility. My responsibility is to make sure that the people in this ministry, this fellowship, are not walking in fear. But walking in the love of God, because that's where your victory is at. Amen? Amen? So it doesn't really matter, does it? Amen? Say it with me. Perfect love casts out all fear. Say it. Perfect love 
Cast out all fear. Develop love. Mature love. Cast out all fear. Amen. Your best days are ahead of you when you walk in love. Amen. First of all, you perfect love by believing in love or believe in the love of God. And that's what uh, 1 John 4 tells us. Believe the love that God has for you. How many believe that he loves you? If you don't believe God loves you, it's going to be hard for you to live a fear-free life. Somebody you waiting for the other shoe to drop or religion got in there and told you that you know, God just loves you, smack you down and, and hit you in the head with a baseball bat just to prove that he's God, that he can somehow, you know, bring you back to recovery and bring you back to restoration. That's not your God. That's a man-made God. Your God is good. Yes, he is. Say it with me. My God, My God is good. He is good to me all the time. But we simply must believe that God loves us. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know. Come on, everybody say, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. See, everything you really need to know, you learned in, in VBS when you were a kid. Yes, amen. You know when you're eating popsicle sticks? You know, popsicles are making stuff out of the sticks. Crafts out of the sticks. Yes. Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? What? He loved you. He demonstrated his love in this. While we were Yet sinners, Christ died for us. Say it with me, he loves me. Come on, say, he loves me. I believe the love. Say, I believe the love that he has for me. Do you believe that? When a tornado comes your way, you believe the love of God. When an ice storm comes, believe the love of God. But you wouldn't believe how many Christians. I expect the pagans to run around with their heads cut off. But how many Christians were walking around prophesying, ooh, 2009, here we go again. Here we go again. And prophesying that all the power is going down and this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You know what? Even if there's darkness in what? Egypt, there's light in the land of Goshen. Do you know that as a child of God, somehow, some way, he's going to take care of you? Do you believe that today? But why would they do that? Why would they use their mouth, their authority, yielding to fear? Because they're not perfected in love. It doesn't matter what temperature it is when you're loved by God. It doesn't matter what storm comes when you're loved by God. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're facing when you believe that God really loves you. Say, he loves me. Turn to somebody and tell them, he loves you. Love the Lord your God. With what? We love him because. And if you don't believe that God loves you, it's impossible for you to love him back. Perfect love casts out all fear. And it starts with believing the love that he has for you. Why is he going to provide for you? Because he loves you. Why is he going to direct your path? Because he loves you. Why, if somebody slams the door in your face, God open up another one? Because he loves you. Amen. The second part of this is not just behaving in love, but behaving in love. Say it, I'm a believer, and I'm a behavior. Say it, I behave in love. I practice love. 
And this is where the message really gets fun tonight. So go ahead and uh, put your guns away. <laughs> and just let the Holy Ghost minister to you. How many want to grow in love? Okay. Perfect love is, is believing that he loves you. And it's also you personally behaving in love towards others. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read this to you from several different translations. Perfect love casts out all fear. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 from J.B. Phillips, The love which I speak is slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive. It is not possessive. It is neither anxious to impress, nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. It is not touchy. It does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is glad with all good men when truth prevails. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. Isn't that good? Listen to this from the message. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Hello? Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. And this from the classic Amplified. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious or bores over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Come on, say it. It is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. So if I am touchy, fretful, or resentful, what am I doing? I'm not walking in the love of God. Amen? Say it. I'm not touchy or fretful or resentful. And if you're married to them, don't say it to them right now. When did this happen? <laughs> say it. I'm not touchy, resentful, or fretful. It takes no account of the evil done. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are, are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Aren't you glad for that? So the only way you're going to be perfected in love is to be honest before the Lord and let the Spirit of God talk to you. So how, how many will let him talk to you tonight? So make some notes here. Are you patient? The manifestation of impatience means you're not perfected in love. Amen. So if you're at a restaurant and they don't serve you fast enough, at that moment, are you in love or out of love? And I know one group of people that needs to be loved right now are people that are out there in the service sector. 
I mean, mean, closures and firings and this and that. And the other group that needs to be loved on is those in the healthcare profession. Uh, You talk about a challenge. I mean, they got to put up with all of us. The vaxxers, the anti-vaxxers, the I don't have a cluers. Really? I mean, instead of persecuting them over a vaccine, you know, we should be giving them medals. Well, are you patient? Amen. You're always flying off of the handle at your kid or flying off of the handle at your spouse. What does that show? Well, if you're carnal-minded, you're trained to think it's that person's fault you're impatient. It's not that person's fault you're impatient. It means there's a deficit of love, which means what? There's going to be the presence of fear. To break it down, you, you snap and you just bite your spouse's head off or a server's head off, and well, I'm perfectly justified. Amen? Um, you may think that's okay, Karen, but in reality, that's not okay. <laughs> Amen? What does it mean? Well, they're just, they're just not doing what I want them to do or behaving like I want them to behave or somehow they're slower than I want them to be so I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. What it means is you stepped out of love which means fear is operating in your life. No one's going to say that. No one's going to stop right there and break it down. I'm out of love because I'm in fear. I'm just upset. No, there's more to it than that. But if you're walking in love, guess what? You're going to be a patient person. Look at somebody and tell them, have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you always start to worry. Amen. Number two, are you kind? Are you kind? I'm glad that God hit you with his covenant kindness. His has said. Are you kind to other people? Well, sometimes I just, I just can't be. Those are times where you're not walking in the love of God. We're not talking about, you know, pretending love here. We're talking about real perfected love. So watch this. The standard for perfected love is very, very high. Can I be unkind sometimes? No, you can't. Because love is what? It's patient and kind. So if you choose, I'm not going to be kind this time, you chose to walk out of the love of God. Amen. You know, if we take this seriously, we'd evangelize our town in six months or less. Thank you for your enthusiasm over here. I'll say that one more time. We'd reach our cities quickly if we were truly perfected in love. Number three, are you envious? No one gets on a microphone and announces to the whole world, does a podcast. I want to tell you all the ways I'm envious of others. It's a matter of the heart. But you could be. Amen. Uh, Jealousy often pertains more to... uh, ill feelings because someone has a relationship that you don't. You have a relationship with somebody that you like to have or you feel threatened by that relationship. Uh, envy has to do more with possessions and, and contents and things that you can see, material things. And you should never be envious. First of all, if you understand that God loves you and you do what His Word says, you can trust God to take care of all those needs. Does that make sense? Yes. But an envious person will, will privately, you know, uh, get upset. Now, Lots of people got mad when Jesse DePlantis, you know, built his house in New Orleans over by the ministry property, and it's very, very nice. It's like an antebellum mansion, and one side's on the river, and one side's towards, you know, facing the parish. 
and uh, it's got, you know, big, huge, you know, gum of the wind staircase on, on the inside of it, and it's filled with all kinds of treasures and all kinds of antiques that he's been collecting for years and years and years. And somebody stopped by his house when on the outside, he happened to be over there, and the guy said, I really can't stand you, I can't stand your house. And you know what Jesse said? He said, it's not that you can't stand my house, it's that you don't like yours. You see this? And this is the reality. And somebody gets envious of your cars, because what? They don't like their car. And if they would just shut up and believe God, do you see this? It's very subtle, but it's very, very powerful. We have no business envying anyone. There are no grandchildren with God, and there is no big, long line. And one day you'll step up and it's your turn. You know how, you know how deep the line is between you and God? It's one deep all the way around. And if you're not careful, you think, well, you know, in 20 years, maybe, you know, uh, get rid of the envy. Well, they have this, and I don't, and blah, 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 and they don't deserve that. How do you know what they deserve? You don't know what they sow. You don't know what they're doing. Don't criticize another man's servant. That's another form of walking out of love. You just can't win with this stuff, can you? It's poison. It's poison to your love walk. Now you should be thrilled for other people. Amen. I'm liking this message so much, I might just extend it to next week. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're all just having so much fun here tonight. Glory to God. But we should be happy for people. God just gave you a new home. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And then you walk around getting the car. I can't believe God would do that for them. You know how long I've been believing for a house? I've sown for a house. I didn't even clean houses. Believing God for a house. Why don't you have it? Because you've walked out of love. You should be genuinely thanking God when he does something for somebody else. Because what God is doing is fulfilling the covenant in their life, whether it's something spiritual or relational or material or occupational or something financial. We should celebrate when God does something for somebody else. And when we can't do it, it just means that we're not walking in the love of God. Look at somebody and say with all your heart, I am so glad when you get blessed. Yes, I am. And you know what this is produced in the body of Christ? It's produced a culture where we can't brag on God. We ought to be able to say, you know, publicly, this is what God did in my life without worrying about how somebody else is going to get offended over it. And what does offense mean? Let me translate for you. Offense means you're walking in unforgiveness and you are on a path to hell. That's what it means. There's a time... For everything, and the time of the body of Christ is to stop playing around with these terms and empowering people to do less than what God's called them to do. Stop playing games with these terms and just say it the way it is. All this nonsense offense taken in the body of Christ, these people who accept it and take it are on their way to hell. They're not on their way to heaven. And they need to stop it and knock it off. And because we didn't want to do that because we might offend people, what is that a form of? If a preacher says, I'm not going to preach that because I'm afraid of somebody leaving or afraid of them not giving or afraid of somehow getting mad, what is that? You are, that's right, you are watching the uncovering of the masses of people in the ministry who secretly are what? Walking out of love because they're in fear. You love a congregant, you're going to tell them the truth. Without fear. Yes. 
Amen. Well, from the pulpit to the pew, we're living in a day where everybody is offense-taking, everybody's upset. Amen. I tell you, God gives you, triples your salary. You should be able to tell the body of Christ and everybody just do a break dance. I like to say that was even the case here where you could do that. Amen. Well, you could drive up in a new car. Hey, God just gave me this car and it's cash. And everybody just go around and say, ooh, ah, can I touch it? Amen. I could feel the anointing coming off of it. <laughs> and just celebrate. You know what happens when you see that happen? People become hilarious givers, blessers of others. Amen. They start wanting to do great things for God, but also for others. Can be envious, amen. Glory to God. I've seen people get envious because God gave somebody a, a husband or a wife. Amen. And they look around the church and they say, well, you know what? The only single people I see here are much older than me, so I'm going to go to a church where they're not so old or not so young. I'm going to go over there. And that was the thing that led them to where they went. Envy, watch this. Envy, walking out of love, led them to go try to find love. I don't want to be the pastor that counsels that couple. <laughs> because they're messed up from the very beginning. You see this? Love should be guiding and directing your steps. Amen. Are you boastful? When Paul speaks of this, he's not talking about uh, bragging on God. He's talking about what? Self-reliance and what you do and what you did. Amen. Aren't you glad that uh, he's empowered us to live? But in him we what? We live and, we, and have our being. Are you proud? Separate from God. It's okay to, to say you're proud of somebody when you understand who actually gave them the ability and the uh, you know, success, whatever the case may be. But this is a uh, Isaiah 14 proud. I will ascend. I will what? I will take the throne. I will do this. I, in other words, a prideful person is, is a very willful person, a person that has a will that is not healthy, that is not sanctified. Are you rude? If you're rude, you're not walking in the love of God. Amen. If you're rude, if you're short, if you're belligerent. Look at somebody and say, but I know you're sweetie. You're just sweetie. Remember when I preached on dispositions a couple years ago? Salty, sweet. Amen. That's the right. <laughs> Amen. Salty, sweet. Which, what else did we have? Sour. Anybody remember the fourth one? I'm going to have to get those notes back out and re-preach it. <laughs> uh, I said, Mom, which one are you? She said, all of them. <laughs> Simultaneously, all of them. Amen. <laughs> Self-seeking. Uh, Self-promoting. I mean, know that uh, your gift will make way for you. Somebody came to me one time and they said, uh, so-and-so is going to find another church if they don't get to preach more often. And I said, well, I won't be chasing them down. And they're like, what? What's that all about? Uh, you, you cannot promote yourself and expect God to bless that. 
Remember the, the parable, the story where the guy sits in a place of honor and then the person that seat was intended for, and he asked that person to move, and what happens? They're greatly embarrassed. But what happens if you sit at a lower place and then the Lord says, I want you to sit here in this place, this place of honor? Uh, promotion doesn't come from north, south, east, or west. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord. Let him be the one that promotes you. Are you easily angered? Do I have any firecrackers out there? Just a couple of you. Amen. Well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way my family was. That's just my nature. Wrong. You, have, you should have a new nature now. A Christ-like nature. And if you're easily angered and you got that firecracker personality, you need the Lord to sanctify that thing. Can I give you a piece of revelation here? God made you and your personality was subject to the fall just like the rest of you. But he will restore and he will bring back your personality the way it was supposed to be had there been no fall. And your personality is not easily angered. That's a fallen version of you. Amen. You can be angry in what? Sin? Not. This person with an explosive anger where everybody is manipulated and controlled by your anger, that's not the love of God. Right. Amen? Are you keeping a record of wrongs? You never know when you'll need them. I promise you, in your scripture, you should highlight this one because this is the one where more Christians are messing up than any other. They are secretly gunny-sacking when somebody did something wrong and they hold on to that. Uh, what do you call it when you hold a grudge? Unforgiveness. If you're not forgiving, then what's going to happen with you? You're not going to have forgiveness. Where are you going? You're going to hell. You know, classical Pentecostals used to talk about it all the time. You're going to hell, you're going to hell. You know what? We probably need to be teaching more on holiness and the fact that there are people going to hell that think they're going to heaven. Come on, say it, but I'm going to heaven. Say, I'm going to heaven. Entire churches could be led astray by this thing. But entire churches are being taught right now that there is no hell. Amen? So I guess that ends my message. If there's no hell, how can somebody be going there? How convenient for the devil. I told you a story before. Tracy Morgan, incidentally, uh, Mark Morgan, who was our associate over here, is in the military. He was just promoted to colonel in the United States Army chaplaincy. But when we did Heaven's Gates uh, over in Hopkinsville, uh, one of our elders played the part of a preacher who, is, who led his entire congregation there. So the opening scene is they're all being cast into hell. And in hell, all these people are just beating on him. And something came over Tracy, and she starts beating this guy. He's like 75, 76 years old. And she was not really playing anymore. We had to say, stop, you're going to give him bruises. Leave him alone, you know. But this, this guy portrayed somebody who led his entire congregation in a place that their preachers now say does not exist. I assure you, Jesus is, is where we get the doctrine of hell from, and it exists. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And so the new paradigm is, boy, we don't want to scare somebody into heaven. You know what? I'd rather be scared into heaven than go to hell. How, how stupid is that? Can I tell you something? There are an awful lot of reasons why you don't want to go there. And so dealing with the love walk is, is very, very important. When you're walking in love, you're not, you're not concerned about, about hell because you know where you're headed. Amen? But keeping a record of wrongs... Um, that's where you see all the offense taking. Amen. Let me help you out here. Y'all want some help? Amen. Uh, I won't point anybody out tonight because this is the Overcomers Club. So, uh, 
if I were to use an illustration, it would be from the Sunday morning group. Amen. <laughs> but uh, if, you, if you do this, there is a tipping point for you. And someone will do something or say something, or even a leader will do something or say something. And it will look like that was the thing that offended them and caused them to unplug or disappear, whatever the case may be. But you know what it really was? There was all kinds of stuff that they've been holding on to for a very long time. And then they were here Sunday and heard me say, if you don't forgive, you're going to hell. And they said, that's it. <laughs> but it was not that thing. It was everything. Now, if you're walking with no record of wrongs, guess what? You're not on the active ready to disobey God and act on your offense. Why? Because there's nothing there. That's why it's so important to forgive and quickly forgive. Turn to somebody and say, you're going to aggravate me from time to time. Tell them, you're going to do stupid stuff from time to time. We are human beings. We're going to make mistakes. Now, the wise Christian realizes that and keeps no record of wrongs. The one who's going to have a problem who says, yeah, I see that humanity, and every time I see it, I'm going to make a record of it. What a terrible way to live. Are you delighted in evil? Say no. Are you rejoicing in the truth? Say yes. No matter how many times they tell us there's more than one way to heaven, guess what? We delight in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. When you hear something like, I am the way, what does that mean? All other ways are excluded. Amen. He is the way. Amen. Are you protecting, are you always protecting? Are you protecting the reputations of other people? Or do you like to hear people getting talked about? Are you always trusting? Are you always hoping? Are you always persevering? The Bible says that love never fails. It will always produce victory, and it will always drive out fear. Now, when you look at that list, I mean, you know, Paul must have been very serious about what he was doing. Uh, to drive fear out, you need to deal with each one of these and stay in a, in a mindset where you're, you're walking in love and consistent with these principles in this example. And after a while, you're going to realize, I, I don't have time to do the checklist every day, so what will I do? I can reduce it down to what? I will love God and love others. I will obey God's word, and I will do no harm to others because I'm going to walk in love. Instead of keeping the 5,000 commands, I'm going to keep what? Love the Lord your God, and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. I'm going to reduce it down. Romans 12.8 says, as much as depends on you, live at what? Peace Peace with all men. In other words, you're not going to come out of love. If somebody's going to come out of love, it's going to be the other person. Say it. I'm staying in the love of God. Now, write this down. The mouth is the barometer for the condition of your love walk. The mouth is the barometer for the condition of our love walk. Instead of pulling out this on a card and checking it every day, I submit to you a very simple way to determine whether you're in fear or not, whether you're in love or not. And that is what's coming out of your mouth. Matthew 12, 33, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. When you open up your heart, it falls out on the table. Whatever is there. 
And I want to say this to you, not just what you would say outwardly, but also your inward conversation. A lot of Christians who would never cuss outwardly, amen, are sailors inwardly. Some that would never gossip outwardly, what? Think evil, amen, in inner conversation, you know, in terms of their meditation and their thought life. Out of the abundance, what? The what? The mouth speaks. Your self-talk and what literally comes out of your mouth is going to tell you how well you're doing. Amen. If you walk around saying, uh, I'm, I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of that, what does it tell us? You're not perfected in love. Amen. And there's a lot of fear death talk among the people of God. Amen. You hear yourself saying things like that, scared me to death. Did it really scare you to death? So not only is it inconsistent with love, it's not even true. Amen? It is a what? It's a lie. It did not scare you to death. Amen? But you may be amazed how many Christians could care less about the things that come out of their mouth. They don't please them at all. Your mouth literally is the barometer for the condition of your love walk. Amen? Amen? Anybody ever been shocked at what comes out of your mouth? Amen. Uh, my mom's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we just moved them here, and Timothy were out on our property, and we are just, uh, you know, shooting our handguns. And, um, of course, mom's one dog hate, hated the sound of that, you know, because they're just not too far away. And, uh, so we come to church, and the next morning, um, we come to church, and then after church service, we go to Cracker Barrel, and Kelly's sitting here, and I'm sitting here, and Mom and Dad are on the other side of the table. And uh, Mom begins to complain about some, some idiot out there <laughs> who was shooting guns off, driving the dogs crazy. And Kelly goes, uh, well, that was him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here's what I'm saying. There is... There's no filter. It's just out there. And she goes, oh, my idiot. <laughs> you don't think I just make this stuff up, amen? No, I have witnesses. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, my idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Open up your mouth, and what happens is your heart falls out. So I'm going to dig a little bit deeper with you next week on this and just encourage you. But uh, if you want to walk free from fear, you're going to have to perfect the love walk. So from the things you've heard tonight, just put them into practice immediately. Your flesh wants to rise up and come out of love. Just say to yourself, you know what? If I come out of love, I'm coming into fear. Come on, confess that with me. If I come out of love, I'm stepping into fear. Say it again. If I step out of love, I step into fear. One more time. If I step out of love... I step into fear. Amen. But if I'll stay in love, guess what? I'll stay out of fear. Let's give the Lord a hand clap and thank him for it and receive it.